Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. If it's not already obvious to you, today we're celebrating World Mission Sunday. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I love a good audience. Well, God's the audience, to be clear, but anyway. This is one of the best decisions, I think, that we have ever made as an Anglican communion. A day that we've marked on the church calendar to renew our calling, to remind ourselves and to remember that we are commissioned by Jesus to proclaim the gospel. Not just locally within our own community or even regionally within our own country, but to the very ends of the whole entire earth. And that means across and into, as the Bible says, every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. Now, as we consider the question, what is our mission? We know that there are many dimensions, many facets to that answer. Jesus talks about healing the sick and raising the dead and casting out demons and making disciples of all nations. But I want to suggest to you that today, today we hear Jesus speak the words that give all of our activity its power. The words that are the engine, if you will, that make the whole thing go. Jesus says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, here's a truth that we all know. When any of us is living in a state of unforgiveness, not only does that poison eat us up on the inside, but it also affects everyone around us, like ripples from a rock that is thrown into the water. Why? Because we don't just live together and work together and play together as if we're all automatons who are simply sharing the same space and breathing the same air. No, we need each other. We depend on each other. We rely on one another. We are all bound up together in our common humanity and when we are broken and when we are in bondage, we are in it together and we feel the effects of it together. When you or someone else is suffering or in pain, I feel the effects of that. When I am suffering or struggling, you and others feel the effects of that. And so here's another truth I want to lay at our feet this morning. The truth that forgiveness and freedom ultimately involves God. In other words, if we want to know what it truly means to be forgiven and to forgive, and if we truly want to experience the freedom that comes through forgiveness, and let me be specific here, the freedom from guilt, the freedom from shame, the freedom from condemnation, the freedom from isolation, and on the other side of the coin, if we want to experience the fullness of love, the fullness of peace, the fullness of joy in our lives, then my friends, I wanna to say to us, we are compelled to examine ourselves in light of who Jesus is and what he's done. 
So let's begin that examination today through some verses in the book of Hebrews, if you'll advance the slide one. Hebrews chapter four, verses 14 through 16 says this. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Here's the money line. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet is without sin. The author concludes, let us then, or let us therefore, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Now the claim here is that in Jesus, we find a Lord and Savior who has not stood far off from us, but he has entered into our humanity. He has taken on human flesh himself. He has been tempted every way as we are, yet he has never sinned, not once, not ever, not at all. Therefore, he's able to help us in our time of need. Why? Because he succeeded. He passed the test. He didn't stumble into sin as we do. And as we look back into our gospels themselves, we will find support for these claims. When Jesus walked on the earth, the things he said sounded like things that we would expect God to say. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus said, do unto others as you would have done to you. But more than that, Jesus didn't just sound like God when he spoke. He actually claimed to be God in his speaking. Closing the door on any doubt when he says in John chapter 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. Now, those who would oppose him certainly began to build their case against him, but even then, they weren't quite sure how to go after him because everyone around him saw what he was doing for them. Things like, as I said earlier, healing the sick, casting out demons, and even raising the dead. And you would think, right? You would think surely that would be enough, that these words, these deeds, these signs and wonders would surely be enough to cause anyone and everyone who encountered him to bow down and worship him as God. How could anyone reject someone like that? Why would anyone want to kill someone like that? Someone who has come to help you. Someone who has come to heal you. Someone who literally had given people back their lives from the dead. Then again, we all know what happened. We killed Jesus. And we can't just blame it on the Pharisees or the Romans who wanted to get rid of him for religious reasons or political reasons because the very crowd whom he had come to help also cried out for his crucifixion. And when push came to shove, even his closest friends and followers either abandoned him or denied that they ever even knew him. And my friends, the sheer gravity of this irony forces every single one of us to ask the question that not one of us wants to confront. Would I reject God? 
would I reject God? Would I have crucified Christ if I were there? And now, my friends, we're at the very heart of the matter, and I'm warning you, it's going to sound really bad, and then it's going to get really good. Because the plain and very difficult truth of the matter is this, yes, I crucified Christ. You crucified Christ. We did that. It was our sin that nailed Jesus to the cross at Calvary. It was my own hatred of the things of God that crucified Christ. And even more than that, every evil and atrocity that we humans commit against each other is ultimately a participation in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on the cross. Addiction. Adultery, abortion, every time we lie, when we cheat, when we steal, when we bear false witness against our neighbor, when we slander them, when we murder them. In other words, if we don't want the good things of God, then ultimately we are saying we don't want God. And that's terrible and that's tragic but it's true. And now let's get to the very bottom of it all. What is it that keeps us from acknowledging and admitting these things? It's shame. In one word, it's shame. When we do something wrong, it makes us feel ashamed. And in our state of shame, a whole host of other obstacles enters into us. Things like guilt and condemnation and isolation. Isolation from each other and ultimately isolation from God. Let's ask ourselves this question. Why is it that Adam and Eve hid from God in the Garden of Eden? Why did they do that? Because they had hurt each other and they had hurt God's own heart. And when they did, something entered into them that had never been there before. It's called fear. Fear. They became afraid. What did they become afraid of? Of course, they became afraid that God might stop loving them, that God would punish them, that God would then cast them into outer darkness for what they had done. And my friends, if we're gonna be honest and get to the bottom of it this morning, that's exactly how we feel when we do something wrong. Our shame, our fear because of our sin is exactly what drives us further and further away from God until it backlashes into a furious fit of rage that pounds the nails into Jesus' hands and feet. Finally, crucifying him on a cross. Yes, my friends, we did that. You and I participated in that by our sin. Okay, let's get to the good half. Because thanks be to God, that is only half of the story. The other half of the story is God's half and it is good and it is loving and it is merciful and it is compassionate, it is redemptive and it is forgiving. Imagine that we killed Jesus, the son of God, and yet he forgave us. Peter, 
the leader of the apostles, Jesus' closest friends, as I said, denied that he ever even knew Jesus before his crucifixion. Yet after his resurrection, Jesus forgave Peter and he freed him from the bondage of his sin. And here's the thing, he didn't have to do that. Another scenario after the resurrection could have been condemnation. He could have held Peter's denial against him, but he chose to forgive him and to free him. And what did Peter do? When he got filled with the Holy Spirit, he proclaimed the name of Jesus to anyone and everyone he could find. Here's who Jesus is, and here's what he's done for me and what he wants to do for you. A man named Saul went about persecuting and killing Christians even after Jesus' resurrection. And when Jesus met Saul on the road to Damascus, he could have condemned Saul for stoning Christians, but instead he forgave him and he freed him. And you know the result, Saul become Paul preached the gospel and planted churches. If you've never known this, he went about 10,000 miles, mostly on foot around the Mediterranean rim. And then he left us with letters that make up about half of the New Testament corpus. My friends, I wanna say this, this same offer of forgiveness and freedom that Jesus offered to those men is the same offer of forgiveness and freedom that billions and billions have received into their lives throughout time and space, and it's the very same offer of forgiveness and freedom that he makes to you and me sitting right here in this room today. It is the part of the story that says we don't have to live that way. We don't have to live according to our sinful nature anymore. If our half of the story is filled with our guilt and our shame and our condemnation and our isolation that keeps us from God because of our sin, God's half of the story breaks these bondages by his love, his mercy, his grace, and his forgiveness of our sins that leads to our freedom. And my friends, it only comes one way. It only comes through the cross, and let me be clear here, a very personal encounter with the risen Christ. There is no substitute for that. In the end, it's you and Jesus and that personal encounter that matters. Last week, Father Jerry Kramer told a very powerful story about two tribes in the Middle East, the Kurds and the Yazidi, who had been fighting against each other and killing each other for centuries. And then he said this. He said, some of those people have stopped killing each other, and now they've actually started praying for each other. Imagine that. People who once brought out the worst in each other, now wanting the very best for each other. And we ask the question, who does that? Who does that? Who is it that turns their weapons of war into words of love and prayer? My friends, it is the ones who know Jesus, who have experienced his love, his mercy, his grace, and his forgiveness in their own lives. When we retain the sins of others, we harbor the hatred of unforgiveness in our hearts and we loose the hounds of hell upon each other. But when we forgive the sins of others, 
We do for others the very same thing that God has done for us, and we show others the Jesus that this world so desperately and urgently needs to see. So we end here, and I ask this question directly, how are you this morning? How are you this morning? If you're keeping something from God, my friends, it is time to let it go now, now. Give it to him, whatever it is that he's bringing to your mind right now. Confess it and feel the freedom that comes from his forgiveness. Maybe, maybe you need to forgive someone else. That person who's done that thing that's hurt you that badly Whoever God is bringing to your mind right now, forgive them. Let it go. Let it go. And maybe, just maybe, and maybe this is even the hardest one, maybe you need to ask someone to forgive you. Maybe the wrong that has been done is not theirs but yours, and the old adage goes, there is no time like the present to make it right. And if you're struggling with how to do any of these things, come see, uh, that's what we signed up to do. That's why we're here, to participate in the ministry of forgiveness and healing that is given to us by Jesus Christ. So let me do this. I want us now to just imagine for a minute. Just clear your mind and imagine for a minute a world where forgiveness is the norm. Where forgiveness is is the norm. A world where we neither ignore the problem pretending that it will somehow just go away, nor do we perpetually punish one another living in the hell of our own making here on earth. My friends, this is what World Mission Sunday is all about. First, we, us, experiencing the forgiveness and freedom that comes from God in Christ Jesus in our own lives, and then forgiving and freeing one another even as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven and freed us, and in the end, in the end, my friends, the only thing that can keep you from experiencing this is not God, but you. God has done everything he needs to do to extend the offer of forgiveness and freedom. And all you have to do is receive it and apply it to our lives.